Welcome back to Reds Country Radio. Reds finished a West Coast trip uh, at a 500 record, which I would say is pretty good. Uh, I'm Donnie. We're going to talk about it. It is the beginning of May, and the Reds are not nearly as bad as they were the last few Aprils. Steve, Rob, how are you guys feeling? I'm feeling pretty good about this, Don. Uh, finished out this West Coast swing 500 after sweeping the Texas Rangers. And then uh, the series before that, getting swept, getting our barn doors blown off really by the Pittsburgh Pirates. So we went down to the very bottom of the valley, came up to the very top of the the trough, if you will, and then back down to sea level. Yeah, and uh, isn't a where, – where is San Diego? Is San Diego, like – at sea level or below, I'm I'm not exactly sure about my uh, elevation. Something about the marine layer and uh, yeah, all that. Yeah. I was I'm not entirely that. sure. I, I did live there for a little bit, but I'm not entirely <laughs> sure where it is uh, from a topography standpoint on the map. Yeah, well, it doesn't a, matter because we're heading home. It's been a volatile couple of weeks. Uh, I am looking forward to the homestand. Might head out to a game this weekend. Who knows? The White Sox are not great, so that uh, that should be good. But. <laughs> If you remember the last time we came to you, we were in the midst of what ended up being that uh, that big losing streak. And uh, there's an old takes exposed, pull the tape on me, where I said, man, if we don't win three or four against the Pirates at least, I'm going to be pretty upset. Uh, turns out the Pirates are still playing really well. They're still the number one team in the NL Central, maybe all of the NL still. And they swept us. Uh, that was not great. But we turned around and we won, won five straight after that. So... Uh, I'm not going to say if that evens it out because we really shouldn't have lost four to the Pirates. I don't care if they're in first place. Uh, but yeah, a lot, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. A lot of one-run games in that in that losing streak too. Well, not the two Rays games, but the the four games against the Pirates. It felt like there was either no offense or little offense right right at the very end that just wasn't enough. So, and we've kind of been seeing that honestly, like the the. Wins against the Rangers were all in the last at bat. Um, another one against the A's in the last at bat. They got the bats out on Friday, uh, and then they lost on a walk off on Sunday against the A's. Not enough offense on. Uh, well, honestly, the all three nights of this Padres series either. So, you know, it's. Uh, I think we kind of had an idea that the offense might be a little bit of a struggle this year, but it's weird because you look at like the overall numbers and guys like you know from a batting average standpoint everybody in our lineup today at least was hitting two 200 or above but it seems like the ops numbers just aren't there this year yeah we've been missing some power for sure there's still nobody uh nobody on the roster with more than three home runs uh now that jason vossler is gone he is at Send least no longer 
Yeah, yes. So it still has three, but at least uh, at least Vossler wasn't in sole possession while off the roster for a couple weeks. Uh, yeah, so the power, I mean, <laughs> we've talked about this, of course, in in depth, but for a team that, you know, plays at Great American Small Park, you'd think we'd have a little more power, but we don't. And the t- way this team's made up, I think it's more fun, but, uh, you know, when you're you need some homers to help you get out of slumps a little bit or steal a game when you are slumping just because a couple guys hit home runs and you get good pitching. Uh, you know, even, even guys in slumps will hit solo shots every now and then. And, and we don't really have one guy who you can say, Oh yeah, he'll just occasionally just pop a home run. Uh, we hoped that would be Tyler Stevenson and he has no home runs. Uh, in fact, his plugging has been awful this year compared to expectations. So I don't know. The offense has been frustrating. The bullpen has been fantastic. We've gotten good starting pitching, uh, but it's not all quite coming together at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I would say though that uh, at this point last year, after 31 games, the Reds were seven and 24, which is the White Sox record as of right now. So you know, again, look at a different way of things. This team is winning games. Like I don't think they would have won that game last night against the Padres. Obviously, Alexis Diaz really saved that game for them, but. They found a way to come back in the eighth and then score another run in the tenth and then not give up a run and lose the game in the bottom of the tenth. I, I think that's that should be progress. Um, they had not won; they did not win five games in a row last year. They did most recently, so that I'd say that's progress. Even though against the twenty twenty three Oakland A's, like they might be even worse than the Reds, man. Like they they were. It was shocking, like how bad they were. I, I was yeah. Like, what did you yeah. guys think of that? That was just so strange to watch that. Yeah, it's 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 very sad to see, considering a proud franchise like the Oakland A's. You can just definitely tell that they're they're, they're kind of phoning this in. They got their eyes set on Vegas in 2026 or 2027, whatever they said it was. Um, but it's just, yeah, sad to see a, a once-proud franchise like the Oakland A's just kind of tank and list off into the doldrums of um, another sports franchise that's unfortunately going to move to move to Vegas from Oakland. Yeah, yeah. But I think was... about some of the players on those teams, and like, <laughs> I'm sure they're so excited to be playing at the major league level because there's not a lot of players. A lot, of, a lot of those guys wouldn't have a shot otherwise on many teams. Uh, like a guy like Ryan Noda, who uh, you know, former Bearcat, friend of the show, we'll call him. Uh, <laughs> you know, he he probably wouldn't get a chance to play uh, if, at best off the bench on most other teams, and he's getting a chance to pretty much play every day. So good for him. But it probably, I mean, I. <laughs> I remember my day, I played on some pretty bad teams, and man, it, it it sucks the joy out of baseball a little bit sometimes because it really is a sport where, sure, you can steal a game every now and then, but when you get overmatched, man, it just feels like nothing can go your way. And uh, and like we're time talking about with the Reds' offense, that kind of stuff really does kind of feed on itself, and teams do get hot and cold together, which when you think about like the sport of baseball and like what it is, almost like doesn't make sense and it shouldn't really happen because it is so, so many like individual moments as far as, uh, you know, every single at bat is just that. And every single hit is just going to one player, but it really, uh, it really does feed on itself like that. And man, being on a bad team, we saw it last year, that Reds team in last year was better than the month of April they had. There's no doubt there, but they played really bad baseball and, it it that just keeps feeding on itself. So they've been a little better this month, and uh, we're getting some fun. This team has been fun. Uh, I saw some stats comparing this April to last April, and you know, of course, people still still are complaining about our losing record. But uh, 
man, it's it's been a lot more fun than last year. This team's got some heart. It's got some grit. They never give up, and they have the the chops to get back in any game, especially with the bullpen like this. Yeah, absolutely, it's been really uh, really exciting, really promising to see the, the turnaround from last season to this season. Um, definitely, definitely tell they got a little more experience on their belt. Like they're not being phased whenever they're getting down by more than three or four runs in a game. Uh, like you said, they got a lot of uh, grit and tenacity. What we keep saying in the group chat, fellas, no quit in these red legs. No um, quit. No quit. They're only four games out of uh, from being a 500 ball club. And truthfully, I didn't really think we would be that close to being a 500 ball club, considering how bad the team was last year and the uncertainty that unknowns going into this season. So I am very, very pleased so far at this point. More importantly, Rob, uh, we are three and a half games out of the wild, last wild card spot. So hey. you never know. You just never know in this crazy sport. I will be a, uh, well, I'll be a slightly more, less poor man than I was uh, <laughs> if I if I win some of those bets. If the Reds make the playoffs and win 80 games, that'll be a nice little payday for me. But I'm not going to uh, lie, boys. Uh, with the introduction of sports gambling, I've been gambling a little bit on like some of these prop bets for the Reds games. It's been making them a little more interesting, a little more exciting for me on a personal standpoint. Um, just root for the guys to you know win you some money. It just adds a little extra element to watching the game, I guess. I won a nice little uh, fifteen dollar bet on Graham Ashraf to pitch six innings. He just had to get through six innings uh, his oh. last start, so that was a good one. Uh, I, I like betting strikeouts in some of our guys because they're fun to just see them rack up strikeouts. But the heavy strikeout guys, uh, Lodolo has been a little off his game lately, and Hunter Green can't pitch long enough in the games to get that many strikeouts. So. Uh, I bet him to get six innings, and he did. So, Hunter Green actually has 40 strikeouts. He's second on the team behind Lodolo with 44. And then Ashcraft is in third, dis- a distant third place with 27 strikeouts, which is – I'm surprised that Hunter's strikeout numbers are that high, considering, like you said, Donnie, he has issues getting out of the fourth and fifth innings sometimes. Yeah, I want to say it was his last start or the one before, though. <laughs> he struck out, like, almost every single out for the first four innings. It was like – it was like 10 of 12 outs or something were uh, were strikeouts. And he, he gave up a few runs. So I, I need him to figure out how to, you know, you overpower guys when you do. But then when you make mistakes, you make mistakes over the heart of the play. And th- these major league hitters are ready to take advantage of it. Uh, you know, if, he, if he doesn't get pulled the game where he takes the liner off the shin, he's got, I guarantee he has more strikeouts than Lodolo. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I'm curious, like, what you guys think about, what Lodolo and Green have looked like this year. Graham's been the best of the three so far. It's not particularly close. Like he's had more uh, quality starts and longer outings than those guys have. Um, and it seems like Lodolo's is more of an issue of like spot control. Like he's just not hitting the right spots. And then Hunter's is just longevity, like you said. He's a classic power pitcher uh, from the days of old who you know was just, well, maybe not days of old, like. When I think of power pitcher, I think of Matt Latos, a guy who just throw everything he has out there for five innings, and then you just gotta hope and pray. But I'm, I'm wondering, like, is that something t- that you guys are at all concerned about, or is it just kind of, you know, it's a, it's just a season where we're not really trying to win too much, so just let him like learn on um, at the major league level. I think I'm working from Hunter from a Hunter Green standpoint. I'm more concerned if he can develop a third pitch, like a changeup or a curveball, or something more effectively than just a fastball slider. Uh, Major league hitters are going to key on a fastball and a slider pretty easily. That's all you got. Um, I want to say I he think, mixed in the the changeup a little more in his last outing. I know I he, saw he him has, get some, he has. some swing and misses there. 
Um, so it's good. I mean, he's, he, that shows you he's working on it. He's trying to introduce more things into his game. Uh, again, yeah, of course, the longevity, we want to be there. We want him to figure out. So one thing I do, I will note on Hunter Green is that he's given up a lot. He's only given up one home run this year, and that was his big bugaboo last year. Uh, so that's progress there. I think that is pretty significant. Uh, he, he's given up some hard hits, but only one home run when you're a you know, great American ballpark pitcher. I'll take that. I think that's a good sign. Uh, and and with Lodolo, too, I, I think some of these, he, he's given up a few more home runs. He's got to figure some of that out. But I think it's some early season, some jitters. Uh, Lodolo's last start looked a little better. I think these guys will figure it out. They're still so young. They're both 25 or under. Uh, for pitchers, that's crazy young. Pitchers peak near 30. I'm not worried, but I'm glad that they are. You know, it's it is good that it's not like a necessarily a go for it year, at least not yet. We'll see where they are. Uh, you know, it could easily become one, but there's no pressure on these guys like, oh, if you're not if you're not, you know, performing, you're going to get sent to the bullpen or you're going to get sent down. That's not happening. So I think that's a good, good thing. I, you know, I know I know there's some some Twitter crazies that would tell you that Lodolo needs to go to triple A, but uh, that's not happening. He's going to have to learn at the major league level. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, and like the, these guys' spots are so solidified in the rotation, so like they're 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 already there. Like they don't have to worry about getting bumped in the pen or going down. Right. Yep. We need them. Like we we need these guys to Ooh. do well. But you know, we, you're right. You guys are exactly right. I I think there might be just a little bit too much concern over you know let, letting guys let these guys figure it out. Like I, we saw all three of these guys have different bright spots last year, and I think when this team is really ready to be competitive, you just need them to all turn it on and have it ready to go at the same time. So let them figure it out. Let them work on it. Like I still love Lodolo. I think he still has the chance to be like the best pitcher out of all three of these guys. Graham has shown this year that he can really last six innings and, you know, do just a classic like heavy ball type of pitcher where he just gets a lot of ground ball outs and doesn't really rack up the strikeouts, but he's efficient. Uh, and I think it's just the thing of somehow getting Hunter and Lodolo to be a little bit more efficient, but they'll get there. They, they, they'll get there with time. Man. And how good has the bullpen been supporting these guys, especially with some, some, a few, there'll be a few games in the row where the starting pitchers barely getting out of the fourth or fifth inning and the bullpen is still shutting down every guy they face. Uh, I don't know how, how sustainable that'll be as these guys get a little more tired later in the season, but man, Alexis Diaz has been electric closing games. Uh, Lucas Sims has been elite since he came back. Seven games, no runs given up yet. Uh, Legamina has looked great since he's been back. Alex Young, our our great lefty out of the bullpen, has been phenomenal. Uh, man, and then random guys like Derek Law, Buck Farmer, Ian Jabot, guys that were not necessarily highly thought of, they've been very solid. And we've seen that early in, in years before where, uh, you know, what was it, David Hernandez, some guys start the season really well and they're not, you know, they're not super high expectations. So I, who's the other guy I'm thinking of? I wrote an article about year. Jared Hughes. But, uh, does, Jared Hughes. Like, like, and um, I think it was like Michael Lorenzen being the new national. And so there was a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but we were praising them for the same way and they started off the season really strong. So, uh, and then they both, I, you know, I think both those guys end up getting cut or DFA or traded and, you know, so I hope this is sustainable is what I'm saying. I think some of these guys are a little younger than they were. 
maybe that'll help. But uh, we'll we'll see. I I think it's good that we we sh- we've shown we have some depth there with Legamina coming up with some guys getting hurt and you know really a next man up thing has worked well. We still have Santian coming back soon, hopefully, and I think he'd be a solid addition to the bullpen. And I think Luis Sessa would pitch better out of the bullpen. Uh, so we've got all kinds of depth. I really like this leg of me that yeah, there's just something about him. Like he just looks different out on the mound. He's got good movement on all of his balls. Like he's just, I just he's really like him. I mean, he's real fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. And then this, this bullpen can get even younger by like the mid middle of the summer, whenever TJ Antone is ready to come back. That's right. He, he might not yep. even come back this year, but if he does come back like that, that's just another powerful arm that the Reds have. And like, like you said, if Sessa comes back to the bullpen, I do still like Sessa as a bullpen guy. I just am wondering if this starter experiment, like if he had like been able to get a few more innings in spring training or with team Mexico, either way, if it had like helped him stretch out and not have to do that in games. But um, I, he's, he's like, this bullpen can only get better. He's six starts in now. I feel like that's, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I, right. I hear that argument, but uh, you got to kind of figure it out at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know how long the leash is there. We, we, we were going to talk about this. Everyone is, is wondering, well, okay, so we, we got rid of Chase Anderson today. We traded him to the, to the Rays basically for, for, for a little bit of cash, probably not even much, uh, but it was there. I guess there was an out in his contract where, you know, if he wasn't on the major league roster as of a certain date, he could kind of just part ways and there were not, you know, we wouldn't get anything for it. This was a way to get something for it. Uh, cash always helps. This guy apparently wasn't part of the Reds' plans. I thought they would have brought him up earlier, just kind of give him some starts. Uh, but with, uh, with with Brandon Williamson kind of struggling in AAA too, Levy Stout was up here for one star, but he hasn't really been crushing it in AAA. I'm not sure who would they bring up in a in a in a uh, spot start scenario if if that came up again if we had another injury or if we really are just done with Sessa. The name everyone wants to see is Andrew Abbott, but I don't think that's going to happen. He's 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 made one start in AAA. Uh, you know, we we saw Luis Castillo. Okay, second start. My bad. Uh, we saw Luis Luis Castillo went straight from AA uh, to the major league roster. Although in that year, I want to say the pitching staff was in even more, more in shambles than this one is. Uh, so there's no harm in in letting uh, letting him cook in AAA a little bit. But man, he looks ready. Um, but you know, with the Reds also hesitating to call up Matt McLean, we called up the uh, the ghost of uh, what's his face Matt Reynolds. Uh, Matt Reynolds, <laughs> Jesus. Can't even think of him. Matt Reynolds is up on the roster now, and we've got all these great infielders down in AAA, and we call up Matt Reynolds. Uh, in a year where the Reds are only a few games below 500 and playing well. So I don't know what the front office is doing. Do you, do you guys want to get into this, or is it just going to make you want to bang your head against the wall? Uh, the latter option, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can stay away from it then. Um, I, I am interested, though, to see – what they do with Abbott. Um, there was an article that came out in Baseball America about how the Double A League, the Southern that he pitches in, has been messing with like the the stickiness of the ball and like pre-tackifying the ball. Uh, and like it's said that strikeouts and walks uh, have gone up and batting average has gone down. So I, I say for for Abbott at least, if he like makes a couple more starts and he looks decent still, like 
why not bring him up? Like, they, I think he is going to be a part of your plan as a starting pitcher for the next few years. And I understand you don't want to, like, rush him or anything, but he looked really good all last year. He's looked good so far this year. And it's only two starts in AAA. I get that. But, like, give him a, a little bit more time, maybe a few more weeks. But I would love to see Abbott up. Um, and, you know, we don't have to go into it, but people just understand that the Reds at least – well, maybe they don't have a plan, but I I, <laughs> I hope that they do at least. And it's not like a service time thing because, well, again, maybe they do, it is now, but they just it is a weird turn of course from the pattern that they had with India Green Lodolo. Um, I mean, Senzel was the last guy that really had it, but he got hurt and he probably needed some time. But you know, um, well, can I can I switch gears real quick? Can we talk about Senzel for just a second? Please, let's talk about Nick yeah, Senzel. He has been, he was the player of the week uh, last week in the NL. He has been lighting it up. And right after winning player of the week, he hit, the, he hit that third home run. Uh, kid's been on fire. Let's hear what you got, Steve. Yeah, I'm just, I, I keep tweeting it out. Uh, thanks for following everybody. Uh, if you're not at ATBBTTR on everything, try and get TikTok back up, but it's in uh, shambles right now. So uh, we're, we're figuring that out. Um, but man, I just, I say it every time. I'm just so happy for this guy. And you can tell by oh, yeah. all the interviews that he does, uh, when he mostly when he talk, talks to Jim Day, but every interview he does, he just says, you know, I've been through a lot in my career. And I've, you know, I got married. I had a child. I, you know, been hurt a lot of times and it just makes me happier now that like he's he's getting a chance to really play every day he probably he feels he says he feels a lot more comfortable and gets excited even playing third base which i think is something interesting as well and maybe we shouldn't have changed that you know i obviously baseball in 2019 was a lot different and so were the reds but um it's just weird to me that you know that that it changed so much, but he is obviously reaping the benefits of having some time to reflect, working back from that injury, and he's just been smoking the ball. He's turned into the player that we've been promised as Reds fans all along when he was the Uber prospect in the farm system a few years ago to when he got called up and was, you know, the, the everyday center fielder, like, I'll oh, just wait, just wait. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Well, boys, it's finally here. It's finally here. And I can't, I'm so happy for him. Yeah, I think he's really embraced being that utility guy, knowing that he has a lot of benefit to the team, being able to be a plug-and-play guy in a couple of infield spots, a couple of different outfield spots, uh, and he doesn't view that as a slight against him. And he's talked directly about that in some interviews. And, man, you can just see how much he's grown up in those, uh, you know, in, in those interviews. He's the same age as me, and <laughs> it's just funny thinking about my own, like how I thought about things when I was 24. And and how I think about them now at 28, it really does, you know, when you're 24, you think you have the whole world figured out. You don't think you have more development to go through and you, as far as how, how you think about things. And uh, he's really gone through that too. And, you know, he's a father. He's really matured. Uh, he kind of had to in that sense. Uh, you can see and hear he has really come a long way. And I think he's happy. I think he's healthy, uh, which is good. We'll see how long that lasts. But I'm... I'm confident we're going to see him playing every day for a long stretch. Uh, this could be another uh, moment where I jinx it, but I, I think he's going to play a lot of games this year, which is which is great for the Reds. Who knows? He might even be our uh, all-star representative come July 
don't know who else it would be at this point. I guess Henry maybe Robbins has got something to say about that, buddy. You know, and you just watch out. <laughs> <laughs> that dude's record while while a red was uh, pretty impressive. I think we started the winning streak right when he got called up. He was the spark yep. we needed, and he actually really was. He got a hit in every every game he played for a little while. It was Mike Freeman levels of good. Like if you mm. remember that name from the 2021 season, he went like I. I remember finding that stat. It was like they're nine and zero in games he's played. Like what? And it just I found one little thing he did in every game. But um, yeah. but yeah, I'm. By the way, I'm just very happy for Nick Senzo, and uh, I, yes. I really want to see him succeed. Um, I think he has some ability to really be a part of this roster um, as we grow into this team and just be a veteran leader for all the young guys that are eventually going to come up over the next few years. And people seem to really like him in the clubhouse too. He's always uh, from Jim Day's reports. He always seems to be the first one, just like cracking jokes and having fun. And um, I think just, you know, him in India, those are guys that we've needed. And, you know, when, when Vado was, a was, you know, a little bit more in his leader phase uh, in the middle stages of his career. I'm not, I don't want to shit on him, but he probably just wasn't like as vocal or as outgoing as joking all the time. And it seems like he's helped foster that now with these young guys as well, leading into it. Obviously, Indy has been huge in that. And it seems like Nick Senzel has been a huge part of that too. Yeah, even though he's 28 years old, he probably looked around the clubhouse and said, shit, I'm the old guy now. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, especially... When uh, when Will Myers is out and when sorry sorry Robbie keep cutting each other off I was gonna say sorry. just when Will Myers was out and Votto's out it's kind of funny you're right he really is uh, I mean he and India are the old old, old boys in the house damn um, I, I want wanted to ask you guys a question though um, how much do you think like Senzel you know he came up as an infielder and then when he got called up he was expected to be the everyday center fielder how much do you think that like actually screwed with him mentally like his from at the plate and everything else. I would say it's mm, – I don't know how much of it was playing center or, like, expected to be the guy. I think a lot of it was the injuries. I think the injuries got to his head because they felt preventable. It felt He was frustrated because there's no doubt that he was trying to do all kinds of things in the weight room and training to try to prevent these injuries, to try to feel like, okay, what can I change in my diet? What can I change in my endurance to try to be right? And maybe it's a Tyler Stevenson thing where some of those injuries were just kind of fluky or just something about his body where he's more susceptible and there's nothing you can do. I think that probably is a lot of the frustration. And of course, all that's happening while he's trying to learn a new position. I think he was open to it. I think there's sure there's more comfort in the infield, but I would say it's probably more the injuries than being stuck in center field. Uh, And but there absolutely were a lot of expectations on him. He he was a super highly rated prospect, a top draft pick. and we know now that maybe it's called, maybe it's because he's kind of those expectations aren't there anymore, but there's none of that on him anymore. There's no pressure to perform and he's performing better as a result. Yeah. Yeah. I, I only bring that up really just because I saw uh, our guy reds and four uh, talk about that. And just, he was just opening the question of, it was interesting to him that maybe if he hadn't been asked to play, outfield as he was coming up and he you know like we talked to him in his 2018 season and he seemed like completely you know normal 23 year old guy just hanging out at uh, AAA Louisville he he invited us to a game you know that one time yeah well oh well Um, and uh, I I I mean you know like you said Don at 24 you think oh I can do anything you know and I I feel like I can 
they probably asked him and he was like, hell yeah, I can do that. You know, I, I can learn anything. But I think, like you said, Donnie, as you get older, you feel a little bit more comfortable in certain spots than you do. You feel like you can provide more. You feel like you feel better in different spaces. And, you know, maybe center field just didn't end up being for him. He did get injured a lot out there. And um, I don't think he would ever say that, but he it was pretty clear that he's more excited about playing in the infield than he is at the outfield at this point. And and to be fair, he's still this week starting in, in the outfield. He's still playing there plenty. He's it helps to be able to keep him in the game when you bring in uh, when you sub in guys and be able to move move him around. Maybe he'll start the game at third and finish it in left field or something. Uh, so you know he's absolutely still playing the outfield. So I did see that argument. I was like, well, it's not like he doesn't play the outfield anymore. He still does. Yeah. Um, so there's but, that. And but then he could just be a super utility guy too, you know, and like be a guy that plays every day, but plays a different position based on what you need, who's in, who's out. And I think that would be awesome for him to get regular at bats and then like keep feeling confident about himself. Like this West Coast trip was awesome for him. So Steve, Rob, how do you feel about the the level of like are we doing this too much? Is there too much of an emphasis on platooning and getting guys rests and playing the matchups? And, uh, you know, the the example that is so easy to go to is TJ Friedel never gets a start against lefties, even though he is literally a reverse split guy where he hits better against lefties. But because he is a lefty hitter, he is not going to start against lefties. Uh, but sure enough, as soon as they bring in a right-handed reliever, TJ Friedel is the first bat uh, off the bench, and sometimes that's pretty early in the game, and he still plays half the game. Uh, but like, why not just start the kid? He's he's your best. He's one of your best hitters right now, and he's great in the field, and he's a menace when he gets on base. Uh, is is there an argument that some of these guys should be everyday players? They should stick to one position, uh, and they shouldn't really be moved around as much. Yeah, Don, you made that point in the group chat the other day about TJ Friedel basically saying there's no reason why they should platoon this guy, uh, considering the stats he has against both left and right-handed bats. I would like to see the Reds roll in a more consistent lineup day in and day out, honestly. I mean, I, I get getting a guy's rest and stuff, but like in, in big-time situations, if if you're big players on the bench, I'd like to see him come in and try to get a big at-bat. Um, but like, yeah, just like today, like Stuart Fairchild was playing in the outfield today, and he kind of swung and missed on some major opportunities in today's game to tack some runs in. Obviously he's not the everyday guy, but like, I feel like if a guy like Friedel or whoever was in there, maybe that turns out a little bit differently. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see a more roll out a more consistent lineup day in and day out. Well, I think it's also just like, I, I, I've probably seen all I need to see from Stuart Fairchild. I'd still like to see more from TJ Friedel. Like he had some pop earlier this year. He had some bunts earlier this year. He, he's been yeah. doing a lot more at the plate and in the field than TJ has. And I don't think it's really doing him a service to only let him play five innings. Like I, I, I think he's much more versatile than Dave's letting him be right now. And like in the battle of, okay, if someone else needs to be brought up, who's getting sent down, uh, who's getting sent down or who's getting released, it's going to be Stuart Fairchild. Like, and I'm sorry, like I'm sure his girlfriend is enjoying making TikToks this year uh, has he made, I, I turned her notifications on but i don't think i've gotten one yet from her but uh I, she sent out a few recently oh okay well, well maybe my notifications are messed up but <laughs> well i what i'll say the other experiment that we're doing which i don't really understand is the three catcher thing uh yeah luke mail melee and kirk Sally both being on the roster i think is a little silly um 
you know, especially I, th- I think one of, one of the benefits too was that like Casale had first baseman experience, or we were going to start DHing Casale occasionally. Uh, they haven't really been doing that. I think a lo- Luke Mail and Casale are both great defensively and both great with pitchers. So like I don't know, just pick one and let's get kind of yeah. get rid of the other one. Uh, mail has been hitting well. Uh, he's a little younger than Casale. Maybe we DFA Casale, uh, but that helps you with that equation of like when Will Myers gets healthy, uh, when when you really can't leave Matt McClain down in AAA any longer. Like who do you send down? Uh, I don't want to send down Henry Ramos. I don't want to send down Seward Fairchild even. Uh, I think those guys have value. Matt Reynolds is the first one I would cut. But uh, other than that, I think we should go back to two catchers. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's quite necessary yeah. to play this game. But, you know, especially if we get another good bat up and uh, you can have more guys being able to play DH and it not being a big deal. Uh, you know, right now with... Uh, with Myers out and uh, you know forcing Steer to play first, you're seeing both Barrero and Newman in a lot of lineups. Neither of those guys are hitting too well, and uh, <laughs> I don't love that. But got to do what you got to do for the moment, and that's injuries. Votto does help that equation a little bit if he comes back. So I don't know. We'll see. I, <laughs> I think you can't really add Votto and Myers back to this team and still keep three catchers. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm wondering, too, if, like, when we come back in a month and we do the pod, we're like, okay, everything is different. All the ro- the roster is completely <laughs> changed. It's uh, I- I'm kind of thinking that's going to happen just because, like you said, like, you know, Newman. It, are uh, you saying that in an optimistic way or we're yes, going to have some optimistic. injuries? It's going to okay. – No, no, no. I'm saying optimistic just because, like, I think I- – I don't – I just don't see Newman being on this team much longer if, if like, McLean gets called up, like – before July, I think Newman's like Newman might have been a trade piece, but he's just not producing every day. Um, that the way yeah, like and to. that and that's what I we, we've talked about this this episode. Like, I don't understand why the Reds are willing to start some guys' clock early, but not other guys. I don't understand why we're willing to eat Mike Mustakis's twenty million dollars, but maybe we have some loyalty to Kevin Newman, who we're paying one point five or something like just get rid of him at this point you yeah. know I, i'm sure he's yeah, rip, rip we're, we're hoping we're hoping to be a brandon jury that we could trade but we're we're five Same six weeks into the season honestly. and yeah yeah will myers has not been great these guys have ops is hovering around 600 newman below and you got matt mcclain in triple a who's been playing a lot of shortstop and he's been knocking the cover off the ball uh the reds could use an offensive spark like that and Man, I, I I optimistically hope we are very close from it happening, uh, especially if we can keep keeping the record close to 500. We'll see. I, I think all we can say is we'll see because we don't have enough transparency into what the ownership is thinking. Uh, I don't know if other teams do really. Like how often do those guys get interviewed and like actually answer questions? Uh, but I just have no clue if they're even thinking about uh, – calling these guys up because you know i read twitter and i see all these reds twitter accounts that i follow they're like oh yeah mclean has been you know they're ready to call him up he, he you know it's got to be this homestand like it makes all the sense in the world this homestand they'll call him up and these guys are so confident in saying that uh but it could be july and we're still talking about well man maybe they'll add mclean soon uh you just don't know i have no way to know what they're thinking yeah 
Yeah, I really would have well, just ripped the band-aid off sooner rather than later with Kevin Newman. Like he has no spot on this roster moving forward. Like he's not part of the future plans. Like he's just a stopgap guy. Um, looks seems like McLean's ready now. You know, just bring him up and just say, you know, thanks, but no thanks to Newman. Yeah. And I, I like that for the most part, we haven't we didn't fill in a bunch of gaps with a bunch of one one year players like we have in the past. It's basically just Newman and Myers. Foster, you can kind of count, but we didn't even really expect him to make the roster, and he did. He was hot, and then he wasn't, so that worked out that way. Uh, but, you know, with if you replace Myers and Newman with some both, with some young, uh, exciting players, man, that is a team just full of guys chomping at the bit to prove themselves. Uh, and it, it's exciting to watch. It's It's exciting either way, and... Wow, I mean, if if McLean was added this weekend, I would be there for a game. I would be there, probably for every, all three of them, uh, because that you know that's the excitement that this this team needs to to fill the seats. I think I don't know if the Reds understand that. Like I, I'm saying, and lots of other Reds are fa- fans are saying too. You add this person to your team this year, your team improves their chances of winning, and you will get more money in revenue. Like it is a objective fact. Science. Uh, <laughs> But I don't know. Maybe I guess they'd have to pay him a little more. I think that'll be offset in ticket prices pretty quickly because it's not like you're paying him more than what seven hundred thousand prorated. Yeah, and he's like a super two guy too. So I don't know if that does anything to that either. But still, I mean, come on. Like, what what are we doing here? You know, I it's just it d- does you a disservice if he's just sitting down there and not really developing for your major league team. Like, I mean, I I understand he's uh- developing, but. Yeah, I'll acknowledge again, though, this this argument could end up being one of the really silly things where, of course, we end up talking about something and it becomes immediately ir- irrelevant the very next day. There's a very real chance that it happens this week. So we'll uh, we'll we'll Steve, that'll be really funny if that does happen. We need to go back uh, and pull some clips together of all the stupid things we've said that were just completely offset, like within a week of an episode dropping. I like that. So yeah. uh, I think there's a chance that we're. We're a great reverse jinx kind of podcast. So, uh, did it something happen last the last recording we did? We said something, and then like the next day, something completely different happened. Well, I said I wanted us to sweep the pirates, and we got swept. Uh, I don't know. There was like a personnel move or something. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm just. I think. Well, I don't think we talked about Levi Stout, but um, something like that. Yeah. I'll have to go back and look through it because I think you're right, Donnie. I think we've we've definitely like said, yeah, this is definitely going to happen, and then no, it's not going to happen. But um, I think yeah. we predicted that the Reds were going to get into the playoffs in 2020 um, at near the end when they were losing a bunch of games, and then they won all those games at the end. So there's yeah. there's one for us. We could use a dub, Steve. We could use another dub. Yeah, and uh, we good weekend we, we to got, get it. Yeah, seriously. Three, uh, yeah, three, I think hopefully, hopefully this teams. team, yeah, hey, we can string some together. We could be, if we stay hot here and, and win a few against Chicago, win, win a few more, we could be 500 right real quick. And, man, at that point, the argument starts to become, man, this that narrative will change so quickly. It, it could be, okay, adding Matt McClain really improves the roster. Let's do it. Heck, Christian Encarnacion and Strand, not far away from being added as well, maybe. Uh, he needs more at bats in AAA. He's still hardly played there, uh, mm-hmm. and and then it starts to be okay. Are we adding at the deadline? Like, man, we're not that far away from those conversations. It's yeah. already May. Uh, those conversations get very real in June and into July, 
and there's a solid chance we'll be hovering around 500, if not above it. So uh, this team has the potential to be there, and it's so crazy given what, given the roller coaster of the last few years uh, that we've seen. I think this team can compete, and it's been fun. So that's what I've got on the baseball on the personnel side. Uh, if you guys have any other comments, but the one yeah. thing I wanted to get into the uh, the Bally Sports nonsense. What the <laughs> hell? Uh, man, I, I've, I've told you guys about my group chat where like half the guys in it uh, have YouTube TV and don't quite care enough to like stream it on some janky, janky websites. Uh, so our discussion has just died. Uh, and I was so looking forward to that finally coming back. Like they, they went bankrupt. They were saying that the Reds were specifically a team they weren't going to pay the rights for. And then right literally a couple days before the deadline, they finally paid and the reds will be on valley sports i don't know is it another month is it another is it the rest of the season <laughs> sure but uh man our our long national nightmare is continuing yeah well i see, i just don't understand the business plan they 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 file for bankruptcy they say we're spending too much money but then they still want to keep the like i i don't understand i like I guess obviously bankruptcy does not mean you're folding as a company, but like I, I thought they had given up. I thought they were done. But honestly, I think I have to blame my hometown, new hometown Phoenix Suns for this because they, uh, mm. they got out of their ballet <laughs> deal two years early to like broadcast the games on local TV here. So I'm wondering maybe since you know ballet doesn't have to pay them anymore, they're like, okay, we got enough money, we can keep the Reds. And uh, I, <laughs> I, that's why I tweeted it. I was like, well, this is a bummer because like. I, I have obviously lived in Arizona, but I have uh, YouTube TV and you can't find any ballys on there whatsoever. So like you said, yeah. like, people with YouTube or like, I think Fubo is another one that's shut out. Uh, there's a bunch of them that are just shut out from um, watching anything, uh, any red stuff. Like, And more people this week will not be able to watch on Friday night because they don't have Apple TV Plus. So it's just like, I, I get what we're trying to do to grow the game, but you know, like it's just, this stinks. There's a funny article in the Wall Street Journal today, I think, that uh, was talking about the YouTube TV thing, or like I think it was also like, uh, oh yeah, the, one of these games was on Peacock, and I had to pay five bucks a month uh, to watch my team play on Peacock, and so I'm paying extra to see a, an inferior product because it's it's uh, I'm gonna hear the the color guy who never never covers my team not pronounce my closer's name right. Uh, I'm gonna have him, he's gonna have no idea what my hitters have been up to. Uh, it's literally an inferior product that you have to pay extra money for. It's kind of insulting. It's a slap in the face, right? Uh, you know, and and he was it was actually a really good article. I should send it to you guys. But he was talking about how like teams really do. You know, the fans grow attached to their to their hometown uh, broadcast teams, and we love you know John Sadak, Chris Welsh, uh, Barry Larkin. We 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 deal with him. He's Barry Larkin. Uh, the you know, I don't want to watch the Apple TV broadcast. I don't care about those national dudes. And, you know, an Apple TV broadcaster, it's not like it's, uh, you know, John Smoltz up there. It's it's some random no-name. I've never yeah. watched an Apple TV broadcast of a, of a Reds game. It's like, a, I assume they're not good then. They did a few of them last year, and it was free last year. Uh, yeah. That's not the case now. It's not, I don't know, it's just different. They're trying to be all cool and hip and... Uh, I don't know. I just want to hear to say that call the game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I like John and like, I, f I feel like he's a calming voice for me. I, I've listened to, sure. I've watched more TV this year than I have 
listen to the radio and um i'm missing out on cowboy but i'm getting more sadak and um I'm getting more Barry dead air. We love you, Barry. But uh, <laughs> there's just some times. Have yeah. you guys noticed this? There's just some times in games. Where Say that go ask him questions and he just doesn't respond. It's like, yeah. It's, it's, not like he's, it's not like he's saying something and like giving him an opening to respond. He'll straight up ask him a question where he's like looking <laughs> for an answer. And Barry, I don't know if he's not paying attention or if it's just an intentional just kind of, eh, I don't feel like answering that. He just doesn't <laughs> respond. It's just funny too, just because um, I that's the best moments when like Sadak will drop like a Star Wars reference and Barry's just like Barry has no, no idea what's going on. He's like, I was idea. playing ball during that time, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I, I listened to a broadcast today with Sadak and the Cowboy, and like you could tell like they hadn't worked together a whole lot, and like the the connection was kind of awkward for him. I think once they get that figured out, that one's going to be real dynamite to listen to. I think. Yeah. I like when Cowboy does a does a handful of uh, TV broadcasts a year. He's, he's Absolutely. Good. Yeah, yeah, he was really good uh, on on Friday. He was talking about you know how the Coliseum hadn't changed since he since he had played there, and I was like, wow, that that place really is ancient. If <laughs> if yeah. like, because Brantley stopped playing in like two thousand one, and then <laughs> still hasn't changed. Yeah, guy, guys like he and Welsh, uh, I think, give great perspective on you know the playing days of of the past and, and Barry, of course, as well. Uh, and Sam LeCure in the, in the pregame and postgame, which I think is a better spot for Barry Larkin, but yeah, definitely. That's well, a discussion I, for another I wanted day. to ask Rob about this real quick, but um, uh, Rob Donnie and I were talking about, obviously uh, Kirk Herbstreit has been tweeting a lot more about the Reds this year. I think he has yeah. le less to do right now, obviously, because he's not working two games a week, but um, I asked this to Donnie. So I asked it to you, would you want to hear Kirk Herbstreit in the booth for a game with uh, Barry and uh, and John Sadak, just to hear what he he do. You think he would be be like a, a a broadcaster? Do you think he'd be a fan? Like what what would you think of that? He he would be a fan, but he'd bring his broadcast professionalism with him because whenever whenever he tweets about the Reds, he's like tweets like a fan. Like he gets on him, <laughs> he's negative about him, and he's like rides or dies with them. Um, I think it'd be very very. It'd be very interesting to, to see him in the booth. I listened to a a interview that him and Mo Egger did a couple years ago. I think it was last last year before the college football season started, and they opened up with like a slew of Reds questions for him. It was hilarious. I would love to hear that. I, I think the realistic path to ever getting him in the booth would be as a fan, not as not under the guise of like, oh, you're going to help us broadcast for a couple innings. He would just yeah. he would just like interview him and get him to tell old Red stories. But of course, the game would be going on in the background, so he might give you a thought on some guy that just hit a double, and that, that would be fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed when Vado was in the booth last year. Those those games were a lot of fun. Yeah. So, but yeah, like, I think having, having Herb Street up there would be cool. But yeah, I uh, sure I'm sure it wouldn't be too hard to get him. He lives in town now, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you could pay him. Like he he doesn't mind money. He we works twice a week, you know. <laughs> so yeah. He gets a private jet, but no, nah, I'm just kidding. I, I think he, I think maybe that's some maybe that's something we should do. Maybe we should start our social media campaign. We should try to marry Kirk Herbstreit and the Reds broadcast team together for a game. How about that? Maybe that's the new uh, our new I, campaign. I know he wouldn't do it because he's too much of a professional. But I would love to be have him be like Hawk Harrelson up there, like that was a bad call. What are you doing? You know, and just like <laughs> just have Kirk Herbstreit just be a fan for three hours. But you know, I, I don't think we're gonna get that. But It'd be fun. A homer so broadcast. Mr. Herbstreet or the executives of Bally Sports, if you're listening to this, uh, make this crossover happen. That'd be totally cool. 
Yeah, hey, maybe Bally will somehow get some money out of that. Maybe get a better ad deal. Who knows? They they need help. Uh, <laughs> man, I, I, I don't know. I got I it this month. I don't know if I'll have it next month. So, uh, you That's know, we're, crazy, we're man. good for right now. Uh, yeah, that, that made me upset. Yeah, um, well, anyway, uh, we've got some great weather coming up. I'm excited to maybe go down and catch the, catch the boys play. Hopefully, I'll be seeing a hot prospect coming up uh, for the Reds. But either way, this team is a lot of fun, uh, and it's it's been fun talking about the team this year. Sometimes I dread these podcasts, not going to lie, when the team is just totally struggling. Uh, and, you know, this last week, after our little winning streak, has, has been tougher facing the Padres. Uh, you know, they did get one good win out of that, and I was happy there. I was worried they were going to get swept. What, they hadn't won in San Diego in years. Uh, so that was good. Steve, you got anything else for us? Uh, any any Twitter comments we need to we need to address? Um, there, there's a lot of negativity, which is weird. Um, some guy I just saw live, he said we're gonna lose a hundred and we're on pace. I was like, we're only five games under, guys. Like, what what are we doing? I, <laughs> I don't even think that that math works. The out. math doesn't work out there. That's uh, not mathing there. I don't. Uh, think. It's that's Twitter. You know, uh, a lot of. Uh, um Sessa McLean talk which we already covered um, one guy says could be so much worse uh and he tweeted the box score from this date last year when the Reds ended the day three and 20 so again it could be a lot yeah. worse um Steve I will say to that I think the uh, so there's there's all these idiots that that have these takes and some of the bigger counts respond to them and amplify it a little bit uh I think we do a good job of staying away from the negativity, but I will say a lot of the main, you know, I refer to them as Reds nerds, Reds, Reds Twitter. A lot of the main Reds fan accounts have been very positive this year. They've been, uh, you know, I love seeing some of these guys that report the advanced analytics. Like I think it's uh, who's the guy that does the the stuff plus numbers every day. Uh, Reds and That's four. super interesting. Yeah. Reds and four. Love that account. Uh, seeing a lot of positivity from everyone. There's definitely some frustration maybe that some of the young guys haven't been caught up yet. But they're also just like saying, hey, check out what this guy's doing in AAA. Check out what this guy's doing in single A. Like, this guy's going to be awesome. Uh, and, and, of course, around the current team, like talking about the bullpen, talking about some of these young players. There's been so much positivity around the team from those accounts. And, uh, you know, just because there's some random guy that paid for a blue check mark in the replies that thinks this team is going to lose 120 games. Uh, you know, that's, that's great. Those guys can do what they want. Uh, us and the other Reds nerds that are actually following this team and kind of, I'll say at least kind of know what we're talking about. We're seeing a team that's developed a ton that is really playing well, that loves each other. And it's a fun, it's going to be a fun season. And I think even if you say a worst case scenario at this point, I think they still win 70 games, which is a nice upgrade from last year. I mean, just look at how we've done so far. We've played like four different first place teams. We played our first below 500 team last week or in the last few days. Uh, you know, the what was it like eight or eight or ten more wins at this point than we had than last year? The run differential is like 60 runs better. We've made so many strides. And so I, I think a lot of people are recognizing that. And the 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 idiots that are still negative, they're gonna catch on pretty soon. Yep. Yep. Um yeah. no other big comments other than um, I, I just like this guy. I quote tweeted it and I said progress, but he said better than I thought. Still not good, but better than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so I said progress. Um, yeah, what a moment. 
there's a lot of uh, comments in here. Obviously, like we got the same people who are always negative all the time, and uh, I can't respond to all of them. But uh, there's a lot of uh, people in here who are noticing that the Reds fight. They play hard. They keep playing. Yeah. And I think that's that should really be all that matters. I, I kind of just uh, I'll let you in on a little secret here, audience. I kind of just post those just so we get some more engagement, more people respond. <laughs> I think. Did you see how many comments the um the a safer out call from Sunday got on on the Twitter. Yeah, dude, we were getting like, comments about that two days later. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I mean, I I'll take it, you know. And I loved how many people were like, "Well, what was the situation?" And I was like, oh, "Sorry, you had to be <laughs> there." You know, it, Shouldn't matter, that but... Kind of thing, but yeah, yeah, it's cool. So um, as long as they keep fighting, I think people are going to be happy. I was uh, thinking about this in my walk today. Um, this, these next six games we have coming up, very, very similar circumstances in the last six games we just came out of. You know, the first three games of this series are going to be against a woeful AL team. And then the three games after that are going to be against a pretty solid NL team who's, you know, a legit pennant contender. So good, good chance to stack up three more wins in a row if we can, or at least try to take two out of three. And then, hell, maybe we try to take one, get some home cook and take one or two against the Mets. I would I'm love optimistic. to find a way to go to go four and two in that homestand. I think that's realistic. Uh, you got to win at least one against the Mets, I would say. So that puts my baseline at three wins because we got to win at least two against the White Sox. So uh, and, you know, if, with how we're thinking about this year and with how, how so many people thought coming in, any homestand, if we can go 500, I'm fine with that. You that's know, a win. That's, that's a win. Keep, keep staying around 500 and see if we can make some moves. Yeah, we go to Miami after that. Colorado, those are two teams that. Well, Colorado's not very good. Miami's okay, um, and then you host the Yankees and the Cardinals, two teams who are both in last place, underperforming, right now, which is big uh, time underperforming. To say <laughs> big time, damn so, Yankees. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Would you believe that the uh, the Yankees and the Cardinals aren't the first place teams that we've played? Instead, it's been the Rangers and the Pirates. Like that doesn't make sense. <laughs> you had that on your bingo card this year. Yeah, yeah, not me. So, that, it, it's that's that's baseball though i mean it's, it's been right. there's been some big surprises and teams are always going to outperform expectations and underperform expectations they're going to get hit with the injury bug and some teams are going to skate through without it and uh man it's, it's been fun to watch so far and as a big pitching guy too i'd love to watch our bullpen i'd love to watch some of these starters uh I, i'm having a lot of fun this year boys same here i'm having more fun than i th thought i would have so it's uh, it's been a very very good season so far. Let's go win some. I'm, I'm not going to make any more predictions exactly about our win totals because the the Pirates one kind of uh, bit me in the ass there. But uh, let's have some fun this weekend, boys. Let's let's go out and enjoy the weather. Let's see the boys back in town. Hopefully, we get a good crowd there yeah. this weekend. Uh, maybe we'll have a prospect to talk about before this podcast even officially drops. But uh, hey, let, let's let's enjoy these Reds and. Know that they are on the brink, whether it's this year, next year, or the year after. I think they're going to be pretty solid for at least a few years. The plan is starting to come together. Hashtag get crawled, right? We, uh, we can use that semi-seriously tonight. But, uh, hey, this has been fun. Fun chat with you boys. Uh, any final thoughts? I'll be in the seats on Saturday, so hopefully I can bring us some good vibes and uh, some good juju. I'll text you if I'm going to join you, Rob. That'll be great. Yeah, absolutely. Come say hi. All righty. Hey, and with that, this has been another edition of Reds Country Radio. Go Redlegs. Go Reds. Go Reds, baby.